I want to talk about understanding the peace of Christmas. Understanding the peace of Christmas, which I think is very powerful. Let me say this. I'm really excited about uh, the additional uh, children's space. I'm, I'm really excited about having everything on one hallway, one wing that's going to extend. And I started praying about this uh, quite a few weeks ago. But I'm, I'm going to name that wing and that hallway Levi's Lane in uh, honor of Levi, Jeff, Jamie, and your family. And so uh, I would love to have a picture of that little dude and just uh, some comments from you guys. But everything down that hallway will be in honor of that little dude who uh, lost his battle to a brain tumor when he was four years old. Much like when we looked at the sports field. And I was thinking about Julian Bevins and that brother, what he brought to our body. And I'm like, we're going to have a sports field, but we're going to name that thing the Julian Bevins Sports Field. We're going to honor people and we're going to honor legacies at our campus here with lives that matter. All right, guys? And so if, if you missed Jeff and Jamie's testimony a few weeks back, I would highly encourage you to watch it. But we're going to honor people here and the legacy is going to live on in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen? So grab your bulletin and let's talk about this understanding the peace of Christmas. Now, it amazes me in our culture that the holidays that are supposed to be holy days have become such hollow days. There's such a mistaken uh, emphasis this time of year. And I've often looked around thinking, why is there so much confusion? What happened? And we focus on decorating, on gifts, on parties, and we neglect relationships, first and foremost, the vertical with God and the horizontal relationships with the other people, and we just, we miss it. It becomes hollow. Uh, for some people, this is a very painful time of the year, and I want you to hear me loud and clear. I get it. Uh, there's people that are distant right now that you're not going to get to spend this holiday season with, and it's painful. One of the girls in our first service, I mean, it's painful because the guy she's dating uh, is doing some jail time right now, and it's painful. For other people that we've sat down and talked to, it's not just the distance, but it's the death. And it's the first holiday Christmas season you're going to go through where you sit at that table to eat and enjoy a meal or whatever, and somebody that you really loved is not there. For others, it's the death of a friendship. The person is still alive, the death of a relationship. The marriage went AWOL, and you are going through this time, and it's, it's very difficult. And so it, it can be a very hollow time for people. For other people, uh, we have expectations that family and friends are going to behave a certain way. And we know when Cousin Eddie shows up, Cousin Eddie is always going to be Cousin Eddie. We get to choose our friends, but family, we're stuck with them. If a relationship turns too toxic, you go, I'm not hanging with that person anymore. But it's not that way with family. And some of you are praying that you've got family members that become deathly ill on Christmas Eve that you don't have to deal with. Anybody got those relationships that when you leave those family gatherings, you have to go home and take a nap and fast for the next week to try to get through it? So where's the peace? 
Again, the thought of peace is so foreign to people. And we're living in a time where people, I believe, deep down inside, as Trevor talks about, less than 1% in Spain are even believers, evangelical Christ followers. We, we are, we're living in a time where people are really wondering, where's God? And how does God fit into the equation? There's so much violence in schools. You can pretty much turn on the news on any given week and see some type of chaos on a high school, middle school, college campus. There's shootings. Uh, police have been ambushed and just crazy stuff going on around us all the time. And I never would have thought this would have been happening when I was growing up that in 2017, at the age of 55, this would be the narrative of our culture, the drug epidemic and the alcohol abuse that's happening in our society. The heroin epidemic right now is absolutely annihilating families. We have families in this church that have had to battle through that. Some doctor prescribed some oxy form, and all of a sudden, before you know it, people are hooked on drugs, can't get off of drugs, and it's devastating. And so you start to look at it going, it's supposed to be holy, but, but what's happening? The family structure is under attack, and our culture has tried to redefine God's blueprint of what marriage is all about. And if you're, if you're serious about your faith in Jesus and you take a stand for righteousness, people label you as being intolerant. It's crazy. Chesterton said, tolerance is the virtue for the man with no conviction. So there's got to be something in us and our allegiance to Christ and our pursuit of Jesus to say, I've got to take a stand for what is holy and right. There's churches on every corner, yet that seems to be making little difference. The morality amongst the church is no different than the morality standards in the world. The divorce rate in the church is the same pretty much as the divorce rate out. The behavior, the actions, the hidden lifestyles. Where is this peace? What is going on? If God is a God of all peace, can he be experienced? So for 400 years after the prophet Malachi spoke, there was this time of just silence. God came across silent, almost shy, reserved. And then as we shared last week, the angel of the Lord spoke. And the angel of the Lord said, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And we drilled deep last week talking about this whole concept of Jesus Christ being Savior and Lord, Master, Ruler, Authority, the one who calls the shots. Listen to how the text continues to unfold. Suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men with whom he is well pleased. That's what I want to talk about, peace. What is peace? True peace is a person and his name is Jesus. Peace is not a gift that you'll receive this holiday season. Peace is not a geographical location. Peace is not even a horizontal relationship that you're involved in. Peace is a person, and the person is Jesus Christ, Christ the Anointed One, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, that's peace. And I started thinking, what is the peace that Jesus offers? When he says, glory to God on earth, peace. What was the peace that Jesus was bringing? We know the Hebrew word would be shalom, but what does it mean? 
And I gave you a working definition in your bulletin. True peace is contentment of the soul. It is a, a resolve and contentment deep down inside your soul, regardless of whatever circumstances you're going through today. When a person says, I am walking in peace. There's something inside where Paul would even write in Philippians 4. I have learned the secret of being content. I can do all things through Christ. What he was saying is Jesus is my sufficiency and my satisfaction. I've learned peace because I have entered into a true surrendered relationship with Christ. Uh, you, you start to define it. What is it? It's confidence that God is going to be faithful and dependable no matter what. When you're able to move to a place in your journey where you've got confidence in God, God, you're faithful, you're dependable, you're trustworthy, I can lean into you, you're going to bring about the satisfaction of my soul that I'm desperately longing for, then you're starting to live in peace. It's the presence of unspeakable joy no matter what type of adversity or uncertainty you're going through. And the people that have the peace of Christ, and I've seen people go through death and go through incredible danger and go through incredible heartache in their life. When the joy of the Lord is central in their lives, you know that the peace of Christ is real to them. So the question has to be posed, do you have this peace today? Do you have this confidence in the faithfulness and dependability of God no matter what? Is the unspeakable joy inside of you? Is your soul content today? Do you have the peace of Christ, not for 90 minutes on Sunday, but I'm talking 365, 24-7, is the peace of Jesus really alive and vibrant in your life? So true peace does not come from circumstances or a favorable outcome. True peace comes from the person, the person of Christ. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says it this way, and it's in your, it was on your uh, connect card, and I would highly encourage you if you're into memorizing scripture to memorize Romans 5 1. But it says, since we have been justified through faith, justified, theological term, which means I have been declared righteous through faith in Jesus Christ. What declares me right before God? What gives me a righteous identity? It is my faith in Jesus and nothing else. We declare here that Jesus plus nothing equals completion. Therefore, having been justified through faith, we have peace with God. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. How do I have this peace with God, this contentment, this confidence, this unspeakable joy? It's by surrendering and entering into this relationship saying, I can't do it on my own. Now, because of Jesus, we've been sanctified, justified, and will eventually be glorified and be with him forever and ever and ever. Sin brought about great damage. Sin created separation, alienation, tension, all this pain inside of us. But when we really, really center in and get this unspeakable joy, this peace of Jesus, it changes everything about us. It doesn't matter what you're going through today. The peace of Jesus will trumpet if you'll trust him and allow him to manifest his presence and power in your life. I believe this with all my heart. Jesus made these 
statements, if you will, these declarations, and John captures them in his gospel. John 14, 27, Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. What is the greatest gift? It's the peace of Jesus Christ, the presence, the power, the relationship. Jesus says, I'm going to leave my peace. It's to your advantage that I go away. If I don't go away, the Holy Spirit's not going to come. But he goes, I want to give it to you. I just don't want to leave it hanging. I want you to become a personal recipient of my peace. Who's it available to? Every person under my voice. Every person in Loganville. Every person living the hedonistic lifestyle of darkness in uh, Spain, where Trevor and Brittany are, are located right now. Who is the peace for? It's for us and for our family and for our friends and for those around us that we would call neighbors. I want that peace every day. I want to wallow in that peace. I want to experience that peace. Jesus goes on to say, John 16, 33. He goes, in this world, you'll have trouble. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. In me, you will have peace. So you look at the world in which we live and you go, are you going to experience problems at times? Absolutely. Does the peace of Jesus eliminate problems? No. But the peace of Jesus is the presence of Almighty God that will help you walk through whatever you're going through today. Are you going to have pain? Yes. Physically, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, is there going to be pain? Yes, but the peace of Jesus will help trump any of whatever you're going through. There is a resolve and contentment and confidence of the soul when I really surrender to the Lordship of Christ that he starts to guide me no matter what. You're going to have difficult people in your life? Yes, and you might be difficult today yourself. But the peace of Jesus can help you overcome you and can help you deal with whoever you're having to hang out with over these next few days. So I started looking at this, and I want you to, I want you to think about this. What is this peace? It's three-dimensional. It's three-dimensional to me, which means this. When you start to walk in the peace of Jesus, you start to have peace with God, you start to have peace with others, and you start to have peace within yourself. I never have to wake up any, any, any longer wondering if God likes me or not, whether God loves me or not. When Jesus Christ reconciled me and put me back into right relationship with God, I wake up every day now knowing that my God is for me, who can be against me, and I've got this peace inside of me that says, man, I, I've got peace with God. I'm not afraid to stand before my master maker one day. I, I know I'm going to have to give an account one day, the scripture says. But when God looks at me, he looks at me through the blood of Jesus. I've been justified and declared right. I got peace with God. You, you do, yeah. I can live at peace with other people. Even if they've wronged me, betrayed me, ripped me off, criticized me, dogged me, damned me, whatever you want to say, I can look and say, by the grace of God, I can extend the love of Jesus to you. I don't have to be a prisoner of your attacks, your assaults, anything coming here. Love your neighbor as you do yourself. Matthew 22, love God. Love your neighbor as you do yourself. I can love myself. I can lay down and realize that even though I've battled feelings of guilt and shame in the past, I go, you know what? Jesus says I am forgiven. 
He says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our iniquity and transgression from us, from me. So the guilt that I had to battle through early on, even after becoming a believer, God goes, let it go. I have nailed it to the cross once and for all. I have declared you righteous, clean, forgiven. And so it's three-dimensional. And so when you start to walk in the peace of Jesus, watch people's lives. You can tell if the peace of Christ is central in their, in their narrative. What kind of peace do they have with God? What kind of peace do they have with their neighbor and others? And what kind of peace do they have within themselves? People that are living in stable misery constantly, and they can't get out of the way of themselves, you're going, you, you don't have the peace of Christ inside of you. And God offers that peace to each and every one of us every day. So peace is about surrender. It's about obedience. It's about knowing the commands of God, knowing the word of God, the will of God, the ways of God, and saying, I, I want to do what you say do, God. I want to honor you with everything that I have. Now, one of my favorite verses over the years has been Isaiah 26, 3, when I start to think about this concept of peace. Isaiah 26, 3. Now, I challenge you to memorize Romans 5.1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus. But I would highly encourage you to memorize Isaiah 26.3. Because this is what it says. You will keep him in perfect peace. You will keep him in perfect peace. What does he say? I will keep you in perfect peace if you trust in me and if you keep your minds fixed on me. It is impossible to experience the peace of God and not trust God. It is impossible to live with the peace of Jesus in your life when you are a control freak. God does not share his glory with nobody else, which means there's only one that can call the shots. He goes, I will keep you in perfect peace if you will trust me and if you'll keep your mind fixed on me. Romans 12, don't be conformed, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Philippians 4, whatever is pure, right, holy, lovely, let your mind dwell and think about these things. Then the peace of Jesus that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ. I want you to trust me, and I want you to keep your mind fixed on me. How do we fix our minds on the things of God? We have to know the word. We have to marinate in scripture. We have to memorize it. And I've never, never, never in my 30 plus years of walking with Jesus regretted memorizing scripture. Never, never. I've never looked back going, well, I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I would have spent more time at the gym or in the sunning tan bed or whatever things people lay in. Like, no, I want to be in the word. I want to know the word. I want my heart flooded with scripture. So how do you... How do I experience this? I'm going to give you six simple things. I want you to think about this. How do I experience it? As I'm dealing with family, how do they experience it? If I come in here today and my life is all chaotic and jacked up and sideways, and I mean, I'm just, I'm just kind of going through the motions existing. How do I experience it? Number one, receive God's unconditional love and grace. He says it's a free gift, for the gift of God is eternal life. He goes, I want to give you the greatest gift known to man, 
But you've got to be willing to receive it. And when I repent, and when I confess, Jesus, you're Lord, and when I turn from me and I go, I need your love, what can you do to earn it? Nothing. I need your grace every day in my life. Anybody in here need the grace of God, man, to show up every day in your life? Anybody need God's grace just gracing you 24-7? I mean, we get all sideways and stuff. But how do I experience it? I've got to be willing to receive this as a free gift. And it's not, it's not the old Baptist way of feeling guilty and praying a prayer. When I receive it, I'm talking about turning my back on my solutions, agendas, and strategies saying, I, I need you to lord and shepherd me. Anybody been there? And for some of you sitting here today, you go, I haven't really let go of everything to him. Here's the second thing. You've got to be willing to release resentment and unforgiveness. Jesus says, if you're not willing to forgive other people, how can I forgive you? One of the things that keep so many people within the church in slavery is that they will not release resentment, anger, bitterness, and all this stuff inside their heart. You can be with people going, the peace of Christ is missing in you. I know you've prayed and asked Christ to save you, and I know you're reading the word and you've got a devotional plan, but you're so stinking bitter, and you don't forgive. How can I receive forgiveness and refuse to release forgiveness? I become a conduit of how God works in me that he can work through me. Hopefully that my story then starts to have impact to change others because I have received this incredible grace and love. Have some of you been hurt? Yes. But I promise you, if you're holding on and nursing a wound and a grudge, the peace of Jesus is not going to leak through you. A third thought would be this. Reject living in the past with all of its guilt and shame. Reject living in the past. Trevor was talking about this the other night when we had dinner. That when he came to faith in Christ, he goes, I had all this guilt and stuff for what I had done. I think all of us did. But I wrote this. Some people have their heads stuck so far up their past that they can't embrace God's beautiful future. Y'all be careful. We're in church over here today. So my thought is, get your head out of your past and realize that what God wants to do for you today and into the future is a glorious thing. Chet, you can use that in counseling, you and Richard, man. I give you permission, okay? You, 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 can, you can take credit for it, too, Said, hey, God gave me a word. <laughs> but that's what Paul says in Philippians, forgetting those things which lie behind. I'm pressing forward and reaching ahead. But some people, I'm just telling you, it, it, it's just a past. My past, my past, my, my past. It, it doesn't have to define your future. God wants you to believe that he's good and he can release you. I want to embrace the goodness of the Savior today. I want to wallow in his peace today to say, you're good. You're going to lead me. You're, you're going to lead me to the promised land. The rest of my life is going to be the best of my life because I'm trusting you to be in control of it. I don't have to live with those regrets any longer. Here's a fourth thing. Refuse to empower self-pity. 
I see so many people that are still living in defeat. And they have freaking pity parties every day. And they have them with themselves and then they invite other people that other people don't even want to be a part of your pity party. If you're going to really experience the peace of Jesus, quit griping so stinking much. Let me say it this way. Quit feeling sorry for yourself. Go serve somebody else that's beat down, broke down, and going through something. There's pain all around us. But as long as you can wallow in your self-pity and you can create this narrative that everybody has got it better than I do, where's the peace of Jesus in that? And this ain't no like complaining church. We ain't going to listen to it very long. If you've been hurt, we want to walk through your pain with you. But we're not going to empower you to empower your past and pain so that you can just walk around and try to get people to feel sorry for you. The Savior didn't feel sorry for you. The Savior loved you, died for you, and has promised to send forth the Holy Spirit to live inside of you. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. Here's another thing. Cultivate godly values. What do you do? Learn to just extend compassion and live a generous life. Cultivating godly values will change your perspective. We talk about getting a checkup from the neck up and eliminating stinking thinking, right? We don't pout and doubt, moan and groan. We grin and win and we believe and receive what God has. But when we do that, we start to cultivate generosity, compassion. I mean, there's people around us. It's like, go love on that person. Go, go love on them. And there's people around us, Chad, that we get to love on every day. Cultivate the values that honor God. Here's the last one. Live with eternity as your backdrop. This ain't home. This ain't where you're going to be forever. If your name is in the book of life, I'm looking going, where is my true residence? I'm going to spend eternity with God. So I'm not trying to stockpile all this stuff right now, whether it be house, cars, and all this junk. I'm, I'm sending my treasures ahead of where I'm going. And when we live with eternity as the backdrop, it keeps our focus in line. And it allows the peace of Jesus, Mama Kay, to be experienced in our life every day. Now, here's my close for you. God's peace is missing. God's peace is missing when your conscience is not clear and you're living a double-minded life. James even says a double-minded man is unstable in all that he does. And as you counsel with people, as we work with people, when a person's conscience is not clear, you're going, peace of Jesus is not there. It's missing when I start to compromise with sin. When I start to entertain and become fascinated with sin and what maybe even an acute sin would be, God's peace and presence and unspeakable joy is missing. If I'm bitter, it's missing. If I slander the names of other people, God's peace is missing. Don't, don't, don't slander. Don't belittle. Pr pray for those who persecute you. How could Yeshua hanging on the cross say, Abba, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. When people are slandering others, you go, it's not, it's not working. When you're constantly doubting and staying depressed, God's peace is not there. If I'm avoiding and hiding from others and not willing to face the music, why are you hiding? Why are you slippery? Why are you running? If I'm seeking revenge, God's peace is missing. If I refuse to face my mistakes and learn from them, his 
piece is missing. If I blame others for my problems and not trust God, God's peace is missing. I started thinking about this, Danny. When is God's peace experienced? When do I start to really see the manifestation of the shalom of God in my life? The contentment of the soul, the confidence in his faithfulness and dependability. When do I really start to see this unspeakable joy being lived out? When I allow him to comfort me in the midst of trials and storms. My first phone call when going through difficulty is not to Nick or Steve or even to Barb. I got to go vertical. Barb can't save me. My kids can't save me. My staff can't save me. When I start to go through adversity, I've got to get away and hang out with, with my Lord and say, would you comfort me in the midst of what I'm going through right now? I need your grace and your presence and your peace. When I do that, I start to experience the peace of God. When I try to leverage these horizontal relationships and plug into them, I don't experience his peace. When I know that Jesus is enough for me and I am content, people go, what do you want for Christmas? I don't want anything. I don't want anything. I'm trying to get rid of stuff that I don't need. I don't want anything. You want a new iPhone? I don't even want an old iPhone. No. <laughs> no. I'm glad I'm more Calvinistic because that thing has almost made me lose my salvation a few times, right? <laughs> right? Technology will make you... Yeah. But I look and go, I'm content. There's this contentment about you. You want, you want a new ride? No. I just want the one I'm driving to work. Right? I mean, the older you get, you go, I don't want anything. Well, what do we, what do we want to get each other for Christmas? Barb, I'm giving you me again, baby girl. <laughs> I shine brighter than any diamonds I've ever bought for you. <laughs> you know, one of the things I've noticed, though, with people that are walking with the joy of the Lord and the peace of Christ, they're not impulsive. Impulsive. A lot of times when people make impulsive decisions, whether it's relationships or whether it's purchases or whatever, you go, where is the peace of Jesus there? I'm able to let go of past wrongs done to me peace of Christ all of a sudden is just being manifested. I pray and I believe and then I start to believe and I really pray more. The peace of Christ is real to me. When I'm controlled and yielded to the Holy Spirit, the peace of Christ is real. When I'm not complaining about my circumstances, but I'm praising God that he's enough no matter what, the peace of Christ is there. When I'm not trying to manipulate situations and people, Jesus goes, my peace is strong for you right now. Get along with your king. Understanding Christmas is understanding that he comes to bring peace into your life, into the family, into the church, into the community, into the nation. Peace is missing because many of us are quenching the Holy Spirit and not allowing the Holy Spirit to be our great teacher and counselor and to be enough every day in our lives. We're quenching God. And we've created an, an agenda of how we're going to make it work. And some of you have made so many stupid decisions with your control issues. And you're sitting here this morning going, I've got to have 
this peace. Maybe you, years ago, you're like, I really did surrender. I really did cry out to Jesus. But that peace you're talking about has dissipated so much in my life, I'm not walking in the freedom of the joy of the gospel.